Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Nerd Wallet. Finance smarter. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine is brought to you by iHeartRadio. My name is Kristen Nobles, and today is September 28, 2021. And this is my audio diary during one of the worst times of my life. I have lived with breast implant illness for almost half of my life. When I got breast implants in 2001, I wanted to feel better about my body. I never thought that my implants would affect my body the way they did and cause me to have over 25 surgeries and rely on feeding tubes to eat. This is a disease that at the time no one knew much about and it made it that much harder to endure. My fake boobs have taken up so much of my life. So now, I want to go back and find out why this happened to me to try and stop it from happening to other women and call the task the people who are responsible. I am Kristen Nobles, and I've been battling breast implant illness for the past 20 years, and I'm on a mission to beat this disease. And I'm Christine Torres, a friend and ally. I'm here to help Kristen uncover the truth about breast implant illness. Together, we are hosting this podcast, Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine, to give you the real facts on fake boobs. This season, we will learn from experts, survivors, and advocates, and hopefully save lives. I also share revealing moments from my personal journal experiences that I never thought I could survive. Keep in mind that we're not medical doctors, and what we are discussing here are our opinions and experience. First, let's get everyone on the same page. Breast implant illness, or BII, is an autoimmune inflammatory syndrome induced by breast implants. What type of implants can cause this, Christine? Well, Kristen, BII can occur with any type of breast implants. All implants are encased in silicone. Wow, that's incredible. I think for so long, I thought implants were either silicone or saline. Well, they're filled with either silicone gel or saline, but they're actually encased. The capsules that they are encased in are made of silicone. 
BII seems to impact each individual in a unique way. Symptoms conclude a lot of things. So, Kristen, why don't you tell us your own personal journey with breast implant illness? Absolutely, Christine. In my 20s, I actually had my first breast augmentation. I was feeling a bit insecure as a newly single mother and thought that this would be the path to getting me the life I wanted. And then ultimately, I became really sick right away. I ended up having more than 30 surgeries. I spent over 13 years on feeding tubes. 13 years? You didn't eat for 13 years? Nope. And what was so difficult about that is I actually worked full time. And for those of our listeners, a feeding tube can be pretty invasive. It's very painful. And you actually put a fluid in a syringe and feed yourself. Oh, we don't need to know the details. Yeah, it was lovely. And then ultimately, I was in the hospital over a thousand days. That's over three years. During that time, I had numerous internal organs removed, my gallbladder, my appendix, Ultimately, all this led to a massive brain infection and a cervical spinal fluid leak. Oh, my goodness. What happened? I woke up Christmas Eve morning and was lying in my bed, couldn't lift my head, couldn't stand up. I had a horrible fever of 104 plus, and my daughter called an ambulance. I was taken to the hospital, and that was a pivotal moment in my diagnostic and treatment process because I was lying in a bed in intensive care following a cervical spinal fluid leak from the test they did to determine why I had the infection and they brought someone to the hospital called an intensivist. What's an intensivist? That is the doctor you see like on House, if you remember that show, where no one can figure out what the heck's going on, so they bring in the big guns. So you got Dr. House? I got the house of UCLA, and this woman was amazing. She came in and just had this adoring spirit. She looked down at me and said, I think your breast implants are killing you. Oh my goodness. Is So this is the first time that anybody has discussed you know, your breasts being involved in all this chronic disease that you have. Absolutely. And I'd actually been part of other clinical trials in the GI space, et cetera, where I'd met with doctors and specialists who were the best of the best. And so I was really at my wits end because nobody could tell me why my body was shutting down. And I was also very vulnerable. You know, what a lot of people I'm sure can empathize with is when you're in the hospital, you're very sick if you're in intensive care. For her to sit there and tell me that she believed that my breast implants were killing me and that we could get past this, I felt elated. I was so excited. So I was actually sent to a plastic surgeon. After 17 years of suffering all kinds of disease and for the first time, somebody says, well, I think your breast implants could be causing all this. And then they send you to a plastic surgeon to take them out. Yes. And that plastic surgeon had a consultation with me and he told me with a whopping $25,000, he would remove and replace the implants because it was not covered by insurance, but he could make me look great and feel better. And it was completely safe. So the boobs that were making you sick are now replaced with a new pair. I explanted in 2018 and I went from having saline implants to having silicone implants. And after undergoing the explant, I felt terrible. So the operation that was supposed to make you feel better made you feel worse. Made me feel terrible. I was having symptoms that went far beyond not eating. I started to notice that my bone density was going down and I actually had both of my hips replaced. Then I started. Kristen, you're a young woman. You've had two hip replacements. I'm basically bionic at this point. And what was crazy in that point of time was I was feeling so desperate and he wasn't an answer. So I went on to a Facebook page and I started to see people talking about breast implant illness. I actually asked one of my friends what she was experiencing that I'd made through the community. And when I told her I had implants put back in, she was shocked. And at that point, she shared with me that the implants I had not only should not have been put in me because that's not the right protocol for breast implant illness, but that these implants had been recalled for causing a form of blood cancer. And come to find out what we really have to learn through this podcast and explain to the listeners is that the doctors don't know what they don't know. And so at the time, the FDA 
recalled these implants and they sent out a notification, but I didn't get that notification. And that's the scary part. Well, it's not until like really, really, really recently that any doctor has come out and said that they actually believe that BII exists. Yes. And I think that's why this podcast is so important to me as someone who is currently dealing with breast implant illness. What I want to understand is how did this happen? What do we do as women going through this? And what are my best options going forward? I think one of the scariest things about this disease is like other issues currently in the press, there's not a lot of facts out there that we can rely on. The doctors are depending on the FDA and figuring out what doctor to go to that actually identifies with this disease and will treat it is not easy. Well, I know since I've met you, you've like been traveling to doctor after doctor after doctor who cannot help you. Yes. One of the biggest challenges with this issue is finding a doctor who can take your insurance, believes in the issue, knows how to treat it, and ultimately being healthy enough to get through the surgery. So Kristen, who are we going to hear from today? I am so excited, Christine. Today we have Tamara Judge, who many of the listeners know from the Real Housewives of Orange County. She's also a fitness expert, a beauty expert, a mom, entrepreneur, and someone who's been working diligently to get out there and raise awareness about breast implant illness and documenting her journey live on social media. So I'm very excited to hear from her what to expect when explanting and any tips she has for me as I embark on this journey. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. We have Tamara Judge, who is not only an entrepreneur, reality star, mom, wife, fitness (laughs) expert, beauty (laughs) expert, and all these other incredible things, but someone who's been so brave at speaking out about breast implant illness. 
And I'd love to have you, if you don't mind, share with the listeners a bit about your journey, how this started for you and your experience with implants and BII. Thank you so much for having me. And being able to spread awareness is the most important thing for me right now. I have had a love-hate relationship with my breast implants. I've had them removed before. I've had them made bigger, made smaller. I've done all these things. For the longest time, I would say, I don't know, three years probably, I just didn't feel right. And I was having all these complications. I was having fatigue. I was having GI issues, sinus issues, bad dry eyes. My whole, Just my whole body was inflamed for so long. And I kept going to the doctor and they kept telling me nothing's wrong. You know, I'd have scopes done, CT scans, ultrasounds, blood work done. My thyroid is barely working at this point. I have Hashimoto's constantly like feeling like I kind of had hangover almost. I just figured, okay, this is getting old. This is what getting old feels like and it sucks. So I have had a similar journey. And I think as women, we embrace the suck. Right. For me, I started to talk to people who are healthy and they're like, no, this isn't normal. But for us, it kind of becomes normal. Yeah. You know, since I've been off the show, it has gotten worse for me in the past year. And I I don't know if the symptoms are getting worse or I just have more time to think about them and, you know, dwell on them. Just being at home and really being in tune with my body where before I was busy, busy, busy all the time. So now I've just thought, God, this is not normal. I don't know what's wrong with me. And then I didn't want to even say anything to my husband anymore. Like, oh, this hurts or my joints are aching because I was afraid he's like, oh, geez, what now? My mind would just go crazy. And I thought, what is wrong with me? I just started doing, you know, my own research, being my own advocate and just going through and Googling it. And somehow, some way, and I can't remember what it was. I had never heard of breast implant illness ever. And I really, when I started reading, I thought, well, I don't have silicone. Mine were saline. So that can't be me because, you know, you know, you think of it as like, oh, you have to have a rupture or it has to be leaking into your body for you to get sick from this. That's not the case at all. And I got a, a symptom list and I'm like, okay, I have chronic fatigue. I have joint pain. I have brain fog. I have insomnia. I have thyroid dysfunction, I have anxiety, dry eyes, the constant inflammation in my sinuses was horrible. The other thing is, I'm sure people kept saying, you look fine, because you look beautiful, but you being willing to actually go forward and not only do this, but do it publicly is so brave. What was the first type of doctor you saw that kind of acknowledged this or how did you like get help once you started to research it? My hormone doctor, he's the one that started doing all these tests on me. And I was getting constant, like these infections in my body. I had two major infections in my gut that I had no idea that I had them. So he put me on antibiotics for two weeks to to get rid of that. And then it was just one thing after another, I was having reoccurring bladder infections. And I would go to the doctor, I said, I have a bladder infection. And she's like, no, you don't. And so I'm like, why do I have inflammation in my bladder? This is just crazy. So he started doing all these tests on me. He noticed that my thyroid was declining quickly and diagnosed me with Hashimoto's, put me on medication. And so after doing my own research, I said, Dr. Lee, is it possible it's my breast implants? Something's wrong. And he says, yeah, it is possible. You know, the only thing you can do, there's no real test. All you can do is remove them and see if you get better. I would imagine it feels like you're being gaslit. Yeah. You're feeling all these things and you're experiencing all these things. And yet at the same time, like the doctors are telling you you're crazy. Well, the doctors were always like, oh, well, it's stress. You know, maybe you should go on like a mild antidepressant or something like that. 
or take Xanax because, you know, that will calm your nerves. And I'm like, what the hell do I have to be nervous about? Like I have a happy family life. I have, I mean, obviously we were all going through COVID. I actually enjoyed it because I got to stay in the house. Right. You had some downtime for once. (laughs) Yeah. And it creates this feeling for us as women where I noticed my biggest advocates were other women like you who started to share their story. So I felt like number one, I wasn't alone. And then the more women I met, I started to get exasperated. For the most part, I am not much of a complainer. So I just kind of sucked it up. Yep. And it just got to the point where get up every morning, bright and early, I go work out and I would go to the gym and I'm like, I'm exhausted. I can't stop yawning. And I just slept eight, nine hours and I would yawn and yawn and yawn. And I'm like, I just want to go home. I don't want to be here anymore. So it was getting worse. Another symptom I had that I didn't even realize that could be causing it. I had a twitch in my thigh. Really? I have the same thing. Yep. I, on my right thigh, I had a twitch. And you could feel, you could see it. You can actually see my leg jumping. I have not had it since I had my implants removed. How long has that been? Two weeks. And I thought it was because I had fell on my tailbone years ago and I had some nerve damage in my lower back and my hip. So I thought, oh, it's probably just because of that, you know, that fall. I have not had that. I have not had every morning I'd have to get up and I'd have to put eye drops in my eyes because they were just goopy and I couldn't see I mean, I was starting to worry. I'm like, am I going blind? What is going on? And I go to the eye doctor and they're like, your eyes are great. Other than, you know, you need reading glasses, but very mild prescription, but your eyes are perfect for your age. And then what I find interesting is that they, you start researching it, you start pulling up information. And then there's this moment for all of us where we're like, okay, we may not get better, but we can't get effing worse. And what I find so heartbreaking is that in order to be diagnosed, a lot of women don't realize how expensive it is. Because like you, we go to GI doctors, we go to the people, and then eventually you go back to the plastic surgeon. They also don't necessarily know. So was it hard for you to find a doctor that acknowledged it, said I'll actually do it? Because doctors were telling me they look great. Don't touch them. Um, My doctor, I actually have a really good relationship with, and I've known him for 20 years, he told me that he's removing more implants than he's putting in right now because of women having autoimmune issues. So he was very for it. Um, We talked about, you know, removing the capsule and making sure we get everything out. And he said, absolutely, you know, because I, everybody was sending me information. Suddenly, like I just talked about it on Instagram and so many people have come, you know, reached out to me to talk to me about it. And tell me their experience. So, you know, I said, yeah, I definitely want the capsule removed. Yeah. I had drains in for a week because I kept just fluid coming out. Luckily I had enough of my own breast tissue. So I was able to get a lift and everything looks great. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I know a lot of girls are getting fat transfers and things like that. Cause sometimes if you remove the capsule, you can look a little disfigured from what I've heard. So I was lucky enough that I'd had you know, enough of my own breast tissue. And how are you feeling now? I'm feeling good, tired, just kind of still a little bit tired from the surgery. I've really taken it easy for this is today's two weeks. My doctor, you know, scared the bejesus out of me because he knows I'm so active. And I, in my mind before surgery, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be down one week. Second week, I'm going to start walking the lake where we live. Like it's like three or four miles around. Then week three, I'm hitting the gym. And I really have not done any of that. My Sinuses are so improved. It is so nice not to have just the constant like headache. So that's a big plus. You already have immediate relief. 
Yeah, for that. And then I, I have more color in my in my face. It's really weird because everyone's like, take a picture before and then a couple days after with no makeup on and just look at your skin. Well, I didn't do that. I forgot to do that. But just like some days I'd wake up and I'd almost have like a gray color to my skin. And my eyes were almost like, kind of like one day I'm like, do I have jaundice? And my eyeballs look yellow. So I had my coloring was off and it was like one day it was good. The next day it looked really, I looked really gray. I always covered it up with glitter. And then the other side of it was the emotional side for me. I got really anxious, depressed, but I was covering it up. But it was my private moments like you talk about. So how did you cope? Also, you had the pressure of the public eye. You know, it's hard enough for me to get up in the morning and throw my hair in a ponytail to walk the dogs. But you have that. People are always looking at you. So how did you deal with the pressure of feeling like shit all the time, but functioning so high? I think that I isolated myself. I literally, like I said, the, the pandemic was the best thing for me because it was an excuse for me not to leave. I just stayed to myself. And that's just how I, I dealt with it. And I don't want to cry, but you were really brave. You made the choice. You're in the beauty business. And you went very public with that. Do you mind sharing why you chose to be so open? Because I know, you know, I've read you're very private. I obviously follow you and I'm such a fan just in how you are publicly. But this was a big move. It's so brave. I just felt like it was something that really needed to be heard. Talking to people, just friends and family, they had said to me, I think I have that too. That Those are the symptoms I have. And I thought that they were my breast implants. So a lot of people don't know. Like I spoke out about it and I'm getting like emails from people in London where they say it is not recognized in Europe. Breast implant illness is not recognized. As soon as I just started barely speaking about it, just questioning, like, is this what's happening? And I did it in one of my Instagram Q&As. I could not believe how many women reached out to me. Isn't it overwhelming to know that there's millions of women who have been struggling like you? And they don't, we don't know. Yeah. So have you gotten messages from people who were also like, oh, it's in your head. Don't worry about it. I, you know what? I didn't. I didn't get any messages like that. I really didn't. I just got a lot of messages from women like, how do you know? And what are your symptoms? And how can I get more information about this? And a lot of women that have gone through it, like it's the best thing I've ever done. I took my breast implants out five years ago and I lost 50 pounds and I don't have, you know, anxiety and I don't have this and I don't have that. And I thought, oh my gosh, if there's like a 10% chance that this is going to help me, then I'm doing it. Like I'm going to choose, you know, my health over my vanity. That's an important topic to write there because your health and your vanity and as women, it's a big decision. It's huge. I've had girlfriends tell me, hell no, I will never remove mine. I've had people reach out to me and say, I really would like to remove mine, but my husband or my boyfriend um, would not go for it. How does Eddie feel about it? And I'm like, what? So you're married or you're dating somebody that would rather have you in pain or feel like crap than have your breast implants removed. That is ridiculous. First and foremost, thank you, Tamara, because I think through your platform, you know, millions of women are hearing this because I think the other thing is the anger. And that was my last question for you is that I've had so much anger dealing with this issue, you know, like you, I want to tell it in every way I can. You know, I meet strangers all the time and we talk about it. And what I'm so shocked at is A, how many people don't know this exists and then B, like you said, think it's them. So in moving forward, you know, dealing with the anger, do you have any advice for us? But that issue is the listeners, because I know I was pretty effing pissed. I never think of it from an angry 
point of view. I did it to myself. I put them in. I didn't care about anything else but looking good. And now I have to pay the price. I didn't have implants that were recalled. If I got sick from that, that would be a totally different story for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be going after them guns blazing <laughs> for sure. So I don't, I don't really come from a place of anger. I think I'm just coming from a place where I just want to bring awareness to it and eyes to other women that are having symptoms and don't even have a clue because it's for one thing, it wasn't cheap to go through all the testing I went through. I mean, I was going through scoping and colonoscopies and scanning and ultrasounds and all that stuff for nothing. What would you have said to your younger self before you had your implants put in? Just be happy with what God gave you. I was always wanting to be perfect. And I was, you know, I was a super insecure young mom. And I really felt like no guys really wanted me because, you know, I was a teenager that had a baby. You know, I really put a lot of energy into my looks when I was young because I was super insecure. I wish I would have put it into schooling. <laughs> but I think now you're teaching people to look at how they feel. And yeah, I think... I I, I mean, other than Orange County, I think the world is, you know, trying to be very body positive and be accepting of the body that they were given. You know, back then, not so much. Right. Not so much. You got made fun of if you had to wear glasses. You know, you the world was so different back then. Now, just be happy. I mean, be healthy, but be happy. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. I'm a fighter. Ooh, I'm a fighter. 
So, Christine, that was so exciting having Tamara Judge on. I feel like I learned a lot about what to expect when explanting. And she's such an inspiration for me as I go into this next surgery and hopefully our listeners. What an incredible role model. Oh, my God. Just like this next woman we're about to talk to, Christine Handy. who She's a breast cancer survivor. Yes, and a cancer disruptor. Christine's out there doing a lot of work to raise awareness for women facing breast cancer that there are safer alternatives than breast implants, given what she faced with breast implant illness. I'm very excited to hear from her. Christine Handy, first and foremost, thank you so much for joining us on Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine. I wanted to start today by asking you to share a little bit with our listeners about your journey with BII and what it's meant to you so far. Well, I'm not sure where to start, but I had breast cancer in 2012 and I had my first mastectomy in 2013 on the cancer side. And I had implants put in on that side then. And in 2016, I was well enough after having 28 rounds of chemotherapy. And I I can't remember how many surgeries at that point. I was well enough to have the other side mastectomy. And during that surgery, they put in the textured biosil allergen implants, which by the way, they pitched really well to me because I had empty breast cavities, obviously because of the mastectomies. And when you have an empty breast cavity, those normal implants with not the textured part, they move around and they cause a lot of pain. And so when they put the textured ones, which was why they pitched them to me, they felt so much better. But part of the reason why they felt so much better was because they adhere to your skin, they adhere to your tissue, and they basically mold into your tissue, which by the way, that wasn't part of the pitch. And so ultimately in 2019, I got a call from my plastic surgeon that said those implants have been recalled. Don't panic. They are causing a form of breast cancer. Since I've already had breast cancer, I thought, what do you mean? Don't panic. We got to take these suckers out. And I did it within like a year. By that point, I had had some issues and I didn't realize it's funny how much our body can compensate and how much our body wants to heal. Even when we have this foreign substance in our body, which was told to us that was healthy and safe and all of these other things. And so my body was telling me as much as that could, that it was okay. And there were just little things that kept hiccuping in my health. When they recalled them and they took them out, I got an infection during surgery, allergen, put new ones in. So nice of them. Over the next six months is when I started to get very, very ill. I ultimately had a MRSA infection that almost took my life. So on that note, and to pause for a second, because the way you tell this story, and I know you've had quite a health journey, you know, you've been through so much. And I think there's three things I just wanted to pause on. You mentioned that your plastic surgeon called you and there was a one-year period between the phone call and the explant. Correct. And then you did the swap out. Right. Do you mind sharing a bit about the swap out experience and what happened with Allergan at that moment when you did the surgery? Because I don't think a lot of people understand that they were recalled and off and replaced. Well, I was very lucky that my plastic surgeon called me. I obviously am a public figure in the breast cancer space. And when I had that surgery, I was very vocal about what was happening. And people would DM me or call me or text me and say, I had no idea that these implants were recalled because they had them inside them as well. Now, this is going to sound ridiculous. I was also very lucky that they were covered by insurance because I had breast cancer. But for the rest of the world, Allergen was going to replace just the implant. Like they were going to not pay for the surgery, but put the other implants in. 
which I didn't have to fight that battle. So that part was relatively uncomplicated for me. I got a breast surgeon to do it because he knew that the insurance company was going to pay for it. And we did the surgery when was scheduled. The surgery itself was not as easy as they led me to believe, but we're just going to swap these out. It's no big deal. It's not even a night in the hospital. It turned into a disaster because that mesh, that rigid texture had already gotten into my body, which I had no idea. And, and when he described the surgery, he described it as like a peeler. Like you had to take like a scalpel and peel off all that scar tissue because I had already had breast cancer. My skin was so thin. And by that point, I had a few surgeries on each side. And so by the time that the surgery was done, the skin was so thin, but it was that it was opaque. So you could see a little bit of the implant underneath the skin, which ultimately was the disaster for me because it never healed. So I appreciate you sharing that with the listeners, because when people talk about the quote swap out in the surgery, they act as if it's quote, no big deal. Why don't you just do it for you? What was your you know immediate symptom that you had? following the surgery. I know you had an infection, but you also mentioned some other issues. I have had an infection before, by the way, um, on my arm. And so I knew that there was something going on, but I, I just couldn't heal. First of all, physically on the site where they opened up the breast cavity and replaced it, there was some bubbling and there was some um, redness and swelling. And, and ultimately there was a tiny little speck on the left side of my left breast that never healed, that never closed. And I kept going back to my doctor saying, why isn't this closing? And it was because the, the area was so damaged. And so I had, you know, some digestive issues. I had some headaches. and But those things I just equated with just, I'm getting older. I've had a lot of chemo in my life. It can't possibly be related. And until March of 2020, when my symptoms started to really flare up, and I was hospitalized in March of 2020 when the whole world was running from the hospital. I was in the hospital, not with COVID. It was then when I was I started to question like really what was happening. I started Googling breast implant illness and I did find some information about it. And I thought that happened to me, that happened to me, that happened to me, but I didn't do anything about it at the time. I mean, of course I was in the hospital and I trusted the professionals that were caring for the infection that I had which ultimately came back with a vengeance the next month. I was in the hospital for five days. And then ultimately my breast cavity was excavated in June of 2020 when that infection went from a staph infection to a MRSA infection. And when they took that breast cavity out completely, never to be repaired because I lost skin, the infection had eaten a hole through my breast. And so by the time I checked into the hospital, I had 104 fever. I couldn't lift my head. And I was literally stopped at the front of the hospital and the, you know, it's the middle of COVID, right? And so they were distracted. The education and information given to you during the process of you getting both sets of implants, none of this was told to you, it sounds like. No one said you could end up. I mean, did they share no, no, this no, with no, you? No, or, no. Or... And, and you know what? They presented in a really pretty little box. You know, I had to have my breasts removed because of breast cancer but look what we can do for you. Look how we're helping you. So, and I'm sure I had to sign something that, that had the you know, side effect, possible side effects, but they don't read it to you. They don't say this could happen. Nobody said to me, oh, well, if you get this, there's a possibility of breast implant illness. I'd never even heard the word before. And so what I'm trying to do as a breast cancer survivor and as a breast implant survivor with now a concave chest I'm trying to educate doctors 
plastic surgeons to say, just because you've had breast cancer doesn't mean the only solution to having a chest is an implant. This is a possibility, having nothing at all, and that's okay. As a society, we're so quick to want to replace and to redo. And by the way, the medical field is a business. And if we remember that, it's going to save us a lot of time and energy. Listen, I just had a doctor. My oncologist said to me, I really think you should go see this plastic surgeon. Maybe make it tighten it up a little bit. Do something a little bit. Because I, I mean, if you could see what's underneath here, you would blow your mind. And I said to her, I'll do it for you. And I was almost kind of pacifying her. And I went to see this guy and he said, okay, in order for you to have breasts, because they had implants on the table when I walked in and I put papers over them because I didn't want to see them. Doctor walked in and he's like, you know, why did you do that? I go, I didn't want to see them. I don't want you to pitch them. I don't, I don't want, I'm, I'm smart. I go to Harvard. I don't need you to pitch this to me. I'm out of the implant game. And here's why. And he said to me after 30 minutes of talking in circles, in order for you to have a chest, I need to put a small implant in. And I said, what part of you walking in this room and me having the implants covered up did you not understand? And so I walked out of that office and two weeks later, his assistant called me and she called me and she said, so do you want to, do you want to sign up for the surgery? And I was like, how are you not listening to me? (laughs) But you know what? My self-esteem is unstoppable. It wasn't at one point. And if you don't have an unstoppable self-esteem, these people are, could destroy you, your health, your mental health, your physical health. And that's dangerous. So when you say these people, Christine, one thing that's so important that you brought up, and I'm literally crying inside and clapping physically while you talk, because the ability to go to your doctor and to have unstoppable self-esteem and ask questions and have boundaries and be educated about the products, the risks, and to have been through it, then you were still pitched. How did that make you feel? Because that moment is life-changing. So I have to go back a little bit um, because I had an infection in my arm in 2011 and I have a fused arm. I had a torn ligament in my right wrist. And the doctor that I chose, who went to Stanford and was very well revered in the community that I lived in, I chose him to do the surgery. And after the surgery, six weeks later, they took off the cast and my arm ballooned. A long story short, I had an infection in my arm for six months and my self-esteem was not good then. And I allowed this man to bully me. He told me that the pain and the swelling was in my head. He told me that I had RSD. He told me that I was a hysterical housewife, although I had never shed a tear in his office. He sent me to a physical therapy office miles away from his office. He wanted me as far away from his office as possible. Ultimately, I got up enough courage to go see a second doctor, even though my doctor told me that he would be mad at me if I did that. He took one x-ray and every single bone in my wrist was broken. I was in surgery that day. I had to then find a doctor that would repair a doctor's malpractice. Now, if you don't know what that means, you're lucky because so often doctors won't take cases where a doctor's butchered you. And that's what happens to us women all the time is we're going back to the same doctor who put these in and asking them to fix their own Because you have no choice. There aren't doctors that will fix it because of liability. They're afraid to. So the system is failing us. So by the time that I had breast cancer and by the time I had implants, my self-esteem was really low because I'd gone through that whole process with my arm, but I have ultimately built it back up to a place where it's unstoppable, unshatterable. 
And that's why I am a, a breast cancer disruptor and speaker and, and all the things I do. But it's built on a foundation, a solid foundation and a solid self-esteem, which, by the way, I work on every day. Now, if you are the normal woman who gets beat up all day long in this world that we do, then you're not going to have that unshakable self-esteem. So you're going to walk into these appointments like I did in 2016, and you're going to say when they tell you, look how pretty these implants are, and you're going to say, sign me up. Because we trust doctors. We are supposed to. The first thing they learn in medical school is do not harm, right? We should really be talking about the FDA as well. Because in 2011, the FDA warned Allergen about these implants. They put those implants in me in 2016. Where was the FDA in 2011? Why didn't they do something about it? I actually have the FDA, FDA's mission statement right here, which I'm going to read to you. The Food and Drug Administration is responsible for protecting the public health of ensuring safety, efficiency, and security of human and veterinary drugs, biological products, and medical devices, and by ensuring the safety of our nation's food supply, cosmetics, and products. I have two immediate questions for you, and first, I'm crying, so thank you for you. The moment where you make that decision to take the swap out, that's such a big moment for us as women where you lost so much from that moment to today, but you also gained so much. How did you build that confidence and do this research and get the strength to ask those hard questions and to set these boundaries? Because I need to learn from you. This is so important for us as survivors and thrivers. And this is how we disrupt this. I was taught at a young age to behold authority in my life, like whatever that meant, the police, the you know, medical field, doctors, that's who I was supposed to look up to. And that's who, who I was supposed to trust. And I believed that. Right. And then when that happened to my arm, I started to question men. I started to question people. I started to question the authority figures. I started to question the institution of medicine. And I started to realize that, Hey, this is a business. They're not trying to help you. They're trying to make money. And I don't think that's true of all doctors at all. I know a lot of really good doctors, including the doctor that ultimately fused my arm. But it is a business because I went through what I went through with my arm. I started to ask questions, but that's not what we're taught in society. We're not taught to ask questions. They went to medical school. Why wouldn't I trust them? And so if they're going to pitch a product to me, for sure, it's going to be safe. And again, I have to go back to the FDA. Why are they not talking about this? Why are they not protecting us? And so the only reason I'm not part of the class action suit is because the attorney that I called told me that I couldn't be a part of it because he said I didn't have cancer after the implants and that the only people that were eligible to get anything were the people that had developed the cancer from the implant. So that's an important topic right there, because for you, Christine, you've had cancer, you've had breast implant illness, and I think the work you're doing as a breast cancer patient and stepping back a second to the FDA, and I'm thinking out loud with you, is that the FDA mission statement is to protect us. In 2011, they warned the FDA, and you received recalled implants. So that in lies the problem. What would you like to see happen for women that go through breast cancer, and like you said, are considering reconstruction? What disclosures would you give them now? I want the nurses and I want the doctors to say, this isn't your only option. You can have an aesthetic closure. And that is an option for you. And I want them to tell them why. To be a patient is to relinquish control of your life and your body. And it's unscheduled breakdowns, right? So we have no control. When you're diagnosed with cancer, when you're diagnosed with 
BII, we lose control, right? You're, you feel it right now. What we should have control over is what people are feeding us, right? The information. It should be logical. It should be factual. And it should be true. We should have more choices, right? I wasn't even given the option. I'm not saying that it wasn't out there. Nobody said it to me. Nobody said, you don't have to have implants. You can just have it closed. I never heard that. Not one time. Because I don't want women to have to go through what I went through. I went through so many other unnecessary illnesses and surgeries and my poor liver, right? All that anesthesia and all that medication and, and all those things unnecessarily. Why? Right? To have a prettier chest? Listen, I would have taken it if they were healthy. I would have kept them. I liked it. But they aren't healthy and they weren't healthy for me. And I'm not saying that I'm an expert in the field and I don't know that they're unhealthy for everybody. Th those obviously are because they cause cancer. But I just want people to know what they're, what they're walking into and that there is another choice. An aesthetic flat closure which is a very beautiful choice, which is why I flaunt my flat chest all over the world because I want women to feel comfortable looking like this. The other thing that's so important that you talk about is the supply chain. So you've brought up all the parties that be that are involved in this. You had the FDA, you have the doctors, you have. But one thing I'd love you to touch on is what has the impact of BII been on you, your family, and those around you? Because you're, you have such a song, sets a purpose, but this was so life-changing for you. And I'd really love the listeners to learn from you how you got through this, if you don't mind. I know that's a bit of a right. question. Well, I think before I was faced with this, I had already had 18 surgeries between my, I think I had nine on my arm and nine on my chest. And I used a lot of tokens from my friends and family, right? That's a lot. I had 28 rounds of chemotherapy. That's a lot of drivers. That's a lot of meals. That's a lot of my kids, you know, not being able to be with their mother. And to add this was... It was like the tip of the iceberg for me. It was emotionally paralyzing for me because I thought, wait, again, I went through this again. Like I already went through this with my arm. Like now I'm not, can't tr trust the FDA. Now I can't trust this, these doctors. Now I can't trust the implants. And so emotionally that took a big toll on me. And, and, it, and especially with my family. And I, because I think, you know, when I went into the hospital for the first time in March of 2020, and, you know, again, the world is focused on COVID and here I am in the hospital, they're like looking around going again. And so then you lose, you know, people get tired. The patient gets tired and the caregivers get tired. And so this is the multiplier effect of when is this going to stop? And it's not going to stop if we're fed a bunch of lies. It doesn't stop. You really have to be your own best advocate. Yeah, I mean, we do. And it's easy to say that because we're supposed to trust the people that have the medical degrees. We're supposed to trust the FDA. That's right here in black and white. That's what they tell us. You know, one of the final questions I would love to have you answer is that to be your own advocate, as Christine said, what would the top questions you'd have a patient ask their surgeon when they go in with BII before they get diagnosed and treated? I think I had a lot of anxiety and fear that the questions would be dismissed because it's like after I had chemotherapy and I had terrible chemo brain, I had doctors that said that doesn't exist. And I was like, well, if it doesn't exist, how come I have it? But I also had the gumption and the persistence and the grit and grace, whatever you want to call it, to ask that question. I think a lot of women would have said, oh, then I must not have it. It must not exist. And it's the same thing with BII. You know, you can walk into a doctor's office and say, these are my symptoms. This is what I have. And they say, well, it's, it's this. It's not that. That doesn't exist. 
And so I think for me, I would have to have a really strong sense of self-assurance and self-love and self-esteem to walk in there and say, this is that I've done my research and I'm not going to leave here until you help me. I don't think a lot of women have that power, that gumption. And so it's a slippery slope. So if you don't have that, then you walk away feeling dismissed. And that's a whole nother emotional abusive cycle. And that's a slippery slope. And so I think more conversations like this, I think anything we can do to say, no, you're not alone. And you, you have the ability, you're strong and we will fortify you. We will help you through it, but what you're going through does exist. So Christine, that was so exciting to talk to Christine Handy. She is such an inspiration out there educating doctors as an advocate on alternatives to breast implants. And she, she is fierce. She is fierce and she is making a difference. And I think it's so important for everybody out there who hears her story, hears Tamara's story, there's so many amazing things we can take away. So I thought we could just share the top five things we learned today. What did we learn? First and foremost, it's really important to know that not all doctors believe in breast implant illness and you have to find a doctor who currently treats the disease. Oh yeah, you have to be your own advocate. I mean, and don't be afraid or embarrassed. Look, if you're not going to take care of yourself, who is? Absolutely. And the other thing I learned is BII is so hard to diagnose. It seems like there's multiple doctors involved. And I think as women, we're embracing all of these symptoms is getting older as part of the journey and dismissing them. And we really deserve to be treated. Everybody deserves to be treated and believed. Well, on that note, the other, I think, big myth for people out there is it can't be happening to them because they have saline implants. And what we learned today is it doesn't matter if you have silicone implants or saline implants, they all have silicone in them. And anyone can get BII, regardless if your implants are recalled or not. The shells are all made of silicon, no matter what the filling is. hundred percent. And I think for me, you know, tip number four would be that don't give up. Tip, tip. Yes. I think so many times we talked to people today and Tamara and Christine said that the number one thing they did was not give up. They kept pushing forward. They kept asking questions and they were their own best advocate. They're both really strong women with a lot of faith and faith in like who they are and faith in their own strength. Well, and Christine had that great term she talked about, which is that you need to have really strong self-esteem as a patient. And I think that hits to the core of this issue. And one of the exciting things, which is the most important thing I learned today, is that we are not alone. Breast implant illness is made up of a community of women that are here to support each other. And through those support groups, we can get the encouragement, information, and action plans we need to survive and thrive. And we don't have to accept this as something that's going to defeat us. That is the takeaway of the day. You are not alone. And thanks to you, I'm not alone on this journey. And thanks to our listeners, because this isn't an easy topic to talk about. But what I know is that if we share our stories, we tell the truth, which is our truth, that breast implant illness will become an issue that everybody understands and is willing to deal with head on. Thanks for you. Thanks for you. <laughs> I'm going to cry now. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine has been brought to you by B Noble Media Group and iHeartRadio. For more on Christine Handy, visit www.christinehandy.com. That's www.christinehandy.com. And on Instagram, at ChristineHandy1. Now I'd like to share some gratitude. A very special thanks to iHeartRadio, Jawara Parker, 
and her iHeartRadio marketing team. And a big, big thanks to our executive producer, Ramsey Yount. If you or someone you know would like to know more about breast implant illness, please visit sicktitties.com. That's S-I-C-K-T-I-T-T-I-E-S.com. Also, please follow us on Instagram at sick.titties and at bnobleart, that's B-N-O-B-L-E-A-R-T. And we would also love to have you join our Facebook page at bnoble on B-I-I. And please remember, you're not alone. Together, we can beat this. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the podcast author or individuals participating in the podcast and do not represent the opinions of iHeartMedia or its employees. This podcast should not be used as medical advice, mental health advice, mental health counseling or therapy, or as imparting any healthcare recommendations at all. Individuals are advised to seek independent medical counseling advice and or therapy from a competent healthcare professional with respect to any medical condition, mental health issues, health inquiry, or matter, including matters discussed on this podcast. Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.